Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps Doctor Who. Today we're on Season 1, Episode 10, The Doctor Dances. Uh, so, nothing really notable on like a, a you know, behind-the-scenes level of anything with this episode as to what it does. So, we'll just head right on into the plot, uh, carried on directly from the previous episode. Uh, so, the gas mask virus carriers, still calling out Mummy, when they back the Dr. Rose and Jack into a corner. Meanwhile, in a house in another part of London, the main child himself is cornering Nancy. Uh, the doctor steps forward and commands all of them in a stern parental voice to go to their room. They all stop uncertain and simultaneously, so does the child. Uh, the doctor repeats his order, saying that he is very cross with them. Slowly, they all turn and return to their beds. At the same time, the child turns away from a confused Nancy, leaving the house and wandering off. Uh, Jack explains how his con was supposed to work. He would find some space junk, throw it to, through time, convince a time agent it was worth something, he would then get half of the payment up front before a German bomb, uh, would land on it, erase all evidence of the swindle before the buyer could claim it. Uh, and he also states that the London Blitz is particularly good for this, as bombs fall all the time, and recommends Pompeii as another suitable location, and double as a vacation if you set your alarm properly. Uh, the doctor does not approve and points to the dormant corpses around the room as the consequences of what Jack did. Jack protests that the crash shift was an empty, burnt-out medical transport and so could not have anything to do with this. As the doctor heads for the door and upstairs, they hear the all-clear siren sounding. Nancy hears it as well. Before she can leave the house, she is caught by the family that lives there. Uh, she, uh, interacts with, uh, Mr. Lloyd, uh, and, uh, essentially she points out that Mr. Lloyd is having a sexual affair with the local butcher, uh, and implies that, uh, she will let everyone around the town know this, uh, so she demands wire cutters, a torch, and food, uh, and Mr. Lloyd, uh, gives her all of those. Uh, back at the hospital, the three time travelers reach room 802, where the child, the first victim of the bomb that was not a bomb, was taken. The doctor gets Jack to use his sonic blaster, identifying the weapon as coming from the 51st century, built in the weapon factories of Villengard, uh, which are now a banana grove. Uh, the blaster digitizes the lock, uh, leaving a clean square hole where it used to be, and they enter. The room is in disarray, the glass separating the observation booth from the rest of the room smashed. The doctor prompts Jack, who knows that whatever did this was powerful and angry. On the floor are toys, and on the walls are child's drawings and crayon. The doctor turns on the tape recorder in the booth, the voice of Dr. Constantine issues from the speakers. Constantine had been questioning the child, but all the child kept asking was, Are you my mummy? And Rose is perplexed as it seems the child does not even know who his mother is. And with this sequence, we must move the move to tears counter up to a two for me here. Uh, then, as the tape continues to play, the doctor walks around the room thinking out loud. The homeless children he encountered earlier were living around the bomb site. He supposes one of them must have wandered near the crashed ship and was somehow altered. The child is incredibly powerful, and soon he will realize that. The tape has stopped playing, but the cries of Mummy continue to play. 
Rose is confused by this, but the doctor realizes his big mistake. He had sent the child to his room, and this is his room. Trio turn around and are met by the child. Uh, Jack attempts to point his blaster at the child, but finds the doctor swapped it with a banana. Uh, the doctor uses Jack's blaster to digitize a wall of the room, telling Jack not to drop the banana, as it's a good source of potassium. They run into the corridor, and Jack reverses the settings and reintegrates the wall, sealing the child in. However, uh, the respite is short-lived, as the child begins to batter his way through the wall. The zombies begin to approach them from all sides. Uh, surrounded, Jack explains the different functions of his weapon, uh, and he asks if the doctor has anything. Or the doctor is about to say what he has, but uh, stops short when he explains that it's a sonic. Jack demands to know what, to which the doctor tells him it's a sonic screwdriver. Rose pulls Jack's blaster down to disintegrate the floors. The zombies close in and they fall down to the ward below. The zombies in that ward wake up as well, and the trio run for the door, sealing it shut behind them with the sonic. Uh, however, it is a storeroom and a dead end, and as the doctor looks for a way out, Jack vanishes. Uh, Nancy reaches her makeshift living space at the abandoned rail yard and finds the other children there. She uh, tells them that they should have looked for somewhere else to stay, but they say they are safe with her. Nancy disclaims this, saying that it is not the child that keeps coming after them, but the child keeps coming after her. Uh, Nancy leaves, heading for the bomb site. In the storeroom, Jack's voice comes over a disconnected radio. He had used his ship's emergency teleporter, but cannot take the others along that was keyed to his molecular structure. He is attempting to override the navigational computer security, but it will take some time. Jack is able to communicate over the disconnected radio because of his ship's OMCOM technology, which allows any communication through any speaker grill, uh, an ability the child also has somehow procured. Uh, the child's voice comes over the radio, saying that he is going to find them, and Jack jams the signal by playing Glenn Miller's Moonlight Serenade. Uh, as the doctor works on breaking through the concrete by setting up a resonance pattern with the sonic, uh, he asks Rose why she seems to trust Jack. Rose says that Jack reminds her of the doctor, except with dating and dancing. Uh, the doctor is mildly, mildly offended that Rose assumes he cannot dance, and Rose amused asks him to prove it. As they start to dance, however, they are teleported up to Jack's ship. There, the nanogenes heal the doctor's hand that he had burned on the TARDIS console when it sparked during the pursuit of the cylinder. The doctor identifies Jack's ship as being of Chula design, much like the crashed ship. Uh, Jack works on getting the NAVCOM back online, and in answer to Rose's questions, he explains that his confidence trickster activities are not wholly mercenary. He, dis he left the time agents when he discovered that they had stolen two years of his memory. Meanwhile, Nancy has reached the crash site and uses the wire cutters to get past the barbed wire. However, she reaches the tarp-covered ship, uh, is discovered by the soldiers guarding the site, and placed under arrest. She is brought to a hut where Jenkins, a sick soldier bearing the lightning scar mark of the child's plague, is resting. Uh, eventually, he transforms into a zombie in a gas mask. The Dr. Jack and Rose reach the crash site as well. Rose offers to distract the guard, uh, but Jack points out that he knows algae and Rose is definitively not his type. Uh, Jack goes ahead instead, leaving Rose slightly shocked. 
Uh, the doctor points out that in the 51st century, people are a lot more flexible in this regard. Um, however, uh, when Jack attempts to talk to Algy, the British officer asks if Jack is his mummy before transforming into a zombie and collapsing. Uh, the doctor hears singing from a nearby hut and finds Nancy, who is keeping Jenkins asleep with a lullaby. The doctor frees her from her bonds, and they all head to the Chula transport. As Jack attempts to open the coded lock on the transport, he sets off an alarm, which awakens the zombies in Albion Hospital, who then begin to move toward the site. Uh, the doctor orders Jack to secure the gates and tells Rose and Nancy to reconnect the barbed wire with the Sonic. Uh, eventually, uh, Rose and Nancy have this discussion about, you know, where Rose is from and all, and Rose reveals that she's from future London, which Nancy can't believe because she can't believe that London isn't completely destroyed by the Nazis. Uh, but Rose tells her, no, it's fine. You'll win the war. Hitler will be turned away and whatnot. Um, so, you know, there's that scene. Uh, Jack also manages to open the transport, revealing that it is indeed empty. However, the doctor asks Rose what they should expect in the Chulid medical transport. Rose hits right on the answer nanogenes. The ship was full of them. When it crashed, billions escaped, programming to heal everything they came across. However, the first thing the nanogenes found was a dead child wearing a gas mask. Never having seen a normal living human before, they used that as their only pattern. They then started to transform everything they encountered to fit that baseline. The nanogenes have given unimaginable power to a little boy searching for his mother. And he tells them there isn't a child alive that wouldn't tear the world apart to find their mother. And this is one who is both willing and able to do so. Uh, eventually, the zombies lead, led by the child approach the site. Uh, when Jack triggered the alarm, the ship thought it was under attack and summoned the zombies as troops to protect it. Uh, then, eventually, uh, um, do, 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 do. Uh, let's see, they figure out the child can omcom again. Uh, Nancy begins to cry, saying that it is all her fault. The doctor begins to comfort her, but then realizes the child, Jamie, is not her brother, but her son, uh, whose maternity she kept a secret from everyone, even Jamie himself. Jack knows that the bomb is seconds away from dropping, but the navcom is back online. The teleporter is working for him again. Uh, the doctor tells him to do what he has to, and Jack teleports away, making Rose think he has abandoned them. Uh, the doctor asks Nancy to tell Jamie the answer to the question he has been asking all along. Uh, she does so, and the nanogenes begin to scan Nancy and Jamie, matching their DNA. And because she is Jamie's mother, Nancy's genetic code provides them with the information they lacked with Jamie. The nanogenes recognize Nancy's living form as the correct pattern, using this as their new baseline, restored Jamie back to full health. Uh, Rose remembers the bomb, but the doctor says it has been taken care of. As it streaks toward them, so does Jack's ship, capturing the bomb in its tractor beam. Uh, then uh, Jack takes the bomb back up into his ship and flies away. Uh, the doctor hurls all of the nanogenes toward the zombies and states that everybody gets to live. Just this one time in his adventures, everyone lives. Uh, the former zombies all rise, all of them restored to their normal cells, and their ailments cured by the nanogenes, even to the extent of a Mrs. Harcourt having regrown her missing leg. 
Uh, the doctor leaves Dr. Constantine to tend to his patient and take credit for all the cures. Uh, he then sets the Chula transport to self-destruct once they leave to fulfill history's requirement of an explosion occurring at this location. Uh, Rose, and Doc Rose and the doctor enter the TARDIS. Uh, Rose asks about Jack and the unexploded bomb, and his smile fades. Uh, meanwhile, in space, Jack discovers that there is no way to eject the bomb or even himself, and the situation seems hopeless. Uh, then, uh, the TARDIS manages to dock with his ship, uh, with the doors open, and they take Jack into the TARDIS, uh, and that brings us to an end of this two-part story arc. Uh, you have anything to add here? Questions? Anything of that sort for us? Or for me, specifically, I guess? Um, let's see, at the end there, the doctor actually dances. Mm -hmm. He remembers how to dance, uh, which I thought was pretty neat. Uh, and that's only a little two-second part. Right. Um, unfortunately, yes, it does say the kid has somehow gained this power to use speakers everywhere, but I really still don't know how he got that ability. Uh, well, I, I think what they imply is that uh, every Chula has this ability, as I think is what they're kind of implying, is that Jack's ship, which is a Chula ship, can do it. And so then, with the whole, like, the nanogenes uh, build everyone they find to be ready to go out into the front lines of a war or whatever, that, that would imply that every member of the Chula species has this power, apparently, or can do this, is what that would imply. Huh. Uh, that's never really confirmed or denied, because we never hear about the Chula again, but okay. that, that would be the implication, is the reason that he can do it, is because every Chula can, and they, and the nanogenes decided, eh, why not? Humans should be able to do this, sure, why not? I guess, I... That's the only reason it really makes sense. I, I yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, logically. Logically, it's it's not explained too well why he can, but he can. Yeah. Um, it okay. works well for like the unsettling creepiness of everything in this episode, but you know. Yes. And last episode more so than this one, but. Uh, my other thing would be my biggest, I don't know, complaint. Not complaint. Uh, okay. Really, but, um, you know, like in the first part of this episode, and most of this part there, when we were assuming or we learned or we were told that Nancy is just the bro uh, sister. Right. You know, and she's nice and young and looks young. Mm-hmm. And then, wait, you're his mother... Okay, how does she look so young that whole time? I mean, she's... Well, in this episode, they establish, or the, or the doctor assumes that she's actually, like, 20. And so he says, oh, so you gave birth when you were, like, 14 or 15, which, I mean, it was the 40, or it was the 30s at that point. So, yeah, it would track me 
Okay. It would track to me that saw, that a girl in the 30s at 14 yeah, well, got she pregnant. Yeah, well, she still didn't look 20 years. to me. But, okay, she still didn't look 20 to me. Uh, I will commend them on their work on the CG work with the gas mask coming out, wrapping around the face. I thought that was done pretty well, actually. So, uh, other than that, I don't have anything else. Okay. Um, let me see here if I pull up the IMDb page. Uh, so this aired May of 05. Uh, so uh, the actress that played uh, Nancy would have been, uh, she would have been 20 when this aired. Wow. So okay. she may have been 19 or 20 when this was filmed. Depending on when it was filmed. So, uh, yeah, so she was 20, roughly, uh, throughout this whole episode, the actual actress. So, okay. yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, my brief notes that I have, not too much really uh, of note transpires in this one. Uh, Jack Harkness makes mention of Pompeii, which we'll visit later. Uh, Harkness also is using a squareness gun. Built in the weapon factories of Villengard, which were destroyed at some point in the 51st century. Uh, we learn that the sonic screwdriver has multiple settings, uh, particularly a setting number 2428D, which is to reattach barbed wire. Very specific settings the screwdriver has. Yes. Uh, and then lastly, we get a bad wolf appearance on the German bomb. Uh, and that's really it, except we can move the move to tears counter up to two with that tape recorder sequence here for me. Uh, so, all in all, that's all I've got here. You got anything to add? Do we need to move your move to tears counter up off of zero yet? Oh, I wasn't. I didn't know I was nope. doing that counter for me. No, I assumed you weren't because I figure it'll stay at zero the whole show, but, <laughs> but mine's up to two already. Uh -huh. No, I don't have uh, anything here to add. Yep. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Glide TV Recaps Doctor Who. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the show for more great content like this. And until our next episode, goodbye.